No matter if the economy is up or down, healthcare careers continue to grow, especially in management. Stevenson University Online's Master's in Healthcare Management can put your career on a new track, especially for career changers with previous business, HR, or technology backgrounds. Discover new opportunities with our Healthcare Management Master's. No GREs, no application fees, and 100% online. Visit online.stevenson.edu slash healthcare management. Yeah, it's called conversations with Jeff, not screaming matches. Yeah, I, 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 you and I do not agree on Calvinism. But look how nice we are to each other. I think it's going to really shock a lot of people, thrill a lot of people. A lot of people are going to have to do some soul searching. It's like, you know what? What are you doing? You're spending all your time trying to destroy another Christian because you don't understand what's going on mm-hmm. when you should be out there winning people for Jesus. Right. Thank you for the job you're doing. Thanks for being willing to address these kind of issues. They're vital to the church. I feel sorry for what's coming your way, but God bless you, man. It's it's a good, healthy conversation, and, and let's keep growing together in the Lord. People won't change unless they hear the truth, though. And so we need to know the truth, uh, speak the truth. And then the last one I would say is that we need to stay in the truth, uh, no matter what the consequences are. Hey guys, welcome to Conversations with Jeff. Uh, thank you guys so much for tuning in. Uh, this is actually kind of kind of a big day. This is our hundredth episode of Conversations with Jeff, which is which is pretty insane when you think about. It. Like we we launched the show about two years ago, and and it was literally it started out just just me by myself, just talk talking to random people about what they thought about what the heck was going on inside the church, and from there it's just it's kind of grown turn into a podcast network. So now we've got the gatekeepers. We've got awesome uh, podcasts, including some of the guys we're going to have on the show today. Uh, you know, we've got a great show by, with like Bobby Lopez, Dr. Mike Spaulding, uh, Pastor Sam Jones, Schumann, Dustin Faulkner. We've got a great lineup there. And then even from that came Freedom First Network, which is, di- which is diving into politics and like 12 or 15 shows over there. Uh, we put out two books just this year alone. Um, including uh, this new one that we actually just put out just this last couple of weeks, Church and State, How the Left Used the Church to Conquer America. Again, dealing with um, a bunch of these political issues, but that are infiltrating into the church. And again, this is a strategy on how they're trying to compromise the church, take take away our moral compass as a country, so that way we can, they can ultimately destroy our nation. And so this is where this book, I highly recommend you guys uh, check it out, check out, including... Authors like Pastor Greg Locke, Denise McAllister, Ken Peters, who's going to be on today. We've got uh, Dustin Faulkner wrote a chapter. He's going to be on here today as well. So, um, so yeah, definitely check that out. Go to gatekeepersonline.com slash church and state. And you guys can use code Jeff at checkout for 10% off. So definitely check that out. But it's been crazy. It's been a fun, wild ride. It's crazy. It took us two years to get to 100 episodes. But today we're going to be having a fun, uh, full-on conversation on what we, what the heck we got to do to save our country uh, and as, as our way of celebrating, because we've got, we've got a lot of work that we got to do if we're going to, uh, if we're going to be dealing with this. So, uh, so let me introduce to you guys the panelists for today's show. 
Um, so first off, we've got uh, my good friend Schumann. He is the um, he's the host of the Schumann Show, and then also a new show over there on uh, on Freedom First Network called the Federalist Faction. Uh, but Schumann, uh, welcome welcome to Conversations with Jeff, and thanks for celebrating with us. Yeah, dude, it's absolutely great to be with you. I mean, hundred episodes is a lot, man. That's a that's a lot of content reaching out to a lot of people. It's really good to be here with you today, man. I down to discuss some of the issues going on today. Yeah, definitely, definitely. And then, and then we've we've also got um we've, we've got my good friend uh Dustin Dustin Faulkner. He's the host of Battlefront Southgate. Uh, he also wrote one of the chapters in Church and State. Uh, Dustin, th- thanks for thanks for joining us and and uh, glad that we can uh, talk here for a little bit. Awesome! It's great to be on here once again. With Let's you see, I think I think he's I think on hundred episodes. Thank you, man. I mean, I mean, both you and Shu have been here since both you and Shu have been here since the very beginning. So, I mean, you know, I always appreciate your guys' support too. So, yeah, so, yeah, and, and, then, yeah. and then we've also got. Um, go ahead, Dustin. Sorry, I, I guess maybe we're having some kind of delay here. I hear you, and <laughs> it happens. Uh, anyway, I just want to say congratulations on that. You know, it's really good that you've started all of this to keep things going. In informing the people in the nation of all of the issues that is going on within the church, going on in our nation uh, with the pol- politics and the infiltration of the left that is destroying the fabric uh, of our nation. Congratulations on your 100 episodes, and uh, thank you for having me here. Stevenson University Online is a leader in forensic education for law enforcement, legal, and cyber investigations. If you are preparing for career advancement or career change, investigate our online master's programs in forensic science, CSI, forensic accounting, forensic investigations, and cybersecurity and digital forensics. New online sessions start every eight weeks. No application fee or GRE required. Visit stevenson.edu slash online. No matter if the economy is up or down, healthcare careers continue to grow, especially in management. Stevenson University Online's Master's in Healthcare Management can put your career on a new track, especially for career changers with previous business, HR, or technology backgrounds. Discover new opportunities with our healthcare management Masters, no GREs, no application fees, and 100% online. Visit online.stevenson.edu/slash healthcare management. Of course, dude, I, I, to, I totally appreciate it, totally appreciate your friendship and, and all of that as well. I've also got my good friend Ken Peters, founder of the Church of Planned Parenthood. And let me tell you something if I lived in Tennessee, who Ken Peters is really trying to get me to move out there. I would definitely be going to Pastor Ken's church called Patriot Church. It, it may be the most America-loving church on the face of this planet. Pastor Ken, glad you could join us today. I'm doing awesome, brother. And yes, my one of my goals in life is to get uh, Jeff and his awesome wife out here in Tennessee. We want you to escape from communism, my brother. They're going to trap you in California someday, and you'll never be able to get out. So, so. Come on out to Tennessee as soon as you possibly can. But hey, congratulations, Jeff, on your 100th show. I can't, I can't believe you've already done 100 shows. And you know what? Uh, you're doing a great thing. And I remember how we started talking about leftism in the church. And boy, I, we are being attacked on every front with leftism, like I've never seen it before in my life, both in the nation and in the church. So, Jeff, congratulations, man, on 100 shows and. 
and may you have thousands and thousands more. Thank you, thanks, man. I, I, re- I really appreciate it. And also, too, what, what's what's fun about, about Ken too is that Ken Ken was one of my first interviews um, on the show, and and literally our first conversation was Ken coming on my podcast and sharing, "Hey, so we just did this thing. We we tried this out. We held like a church service in front of a Planned Parenthood, and so we're going to try to make this a thing and do this more than once and do this a couple times. And then, dude, Ken, this is blo- like." How many Planned Parenthoods have you guys had churches? Have you guys had church services in front of? Man, it, it's it's exploded, Jeff. Like like you said, when when I was uh, first on your show, we were just starting, and it was just a crazy idea that I felt like the Lord gave me, and then it blew up. We were having five hundred uh, Christians gathering together, worshiping at Planned Parenthood. That is unprecedented. Christians hate going to Planned Parenthood. Uh, uh, they hate being involved. It's so messy. And so it's been a national phenomenon. They're, they're, uh, they're sprouting up in Seattle, Salem, Yakima, and then it's going national too. And we're about to start one in Knoxville, Tennessee. So, Jeff, if you move out here and join us, you can help me get this one started in Knoxville, Tennessee. Hey, 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 hey the, the offer is pretty tempting. So we'll, we'll, have, we'll have to see. So, I mean, again, I got, I got to get away from Gavin Newsom at a, at a certain point. Gavin Newsom is just absolutely insane so okay and then, and then we've got we've got our our uh, our final uh, panelist for, for the day is we've got uh my good friend michael johns co-founder of the tea party he was a former speech writer for uh hw bush i uh, you know he i got i gotta say i gotta say michael like out of everybody i've been having on i feel like every time i talk to you i'm i'm like learning a lot like a, like a lot of other people i got fun conversations but for you you're always coming you're bringing the facts you're bringing the knowledge i'm always learning something so michael i'm i'm really appreciative of you I think we want to have a movement that's based on facts. Facts are on our side, and a big part of uh, you know political leadership and public policy leadership right now is just educating people on those facts. And uh, and and I will echo what everyone else said. Congratulations on this hundredth episode. I don't know who was bold enough to go on the first one, but they must have really had a lot of uh, high praise and confidence in your uh, leadership potential. Well, there you go. I, I I appreciate that, and again, I appreciate all of you guys' friendship and and all of you guys' support too. And it's and again, it's for me, it's just fun getting to know everybody and talking to everybody. If it wasn't for the show, I wouldn't have met any of you guys or met any of the people that I've begun working with and all that kind of stuff. So that's kind of been the fun thing. But one of the things that I really wanted to dive into today and be, that's because. To say thanks, Michael, for coming on the first show. <laughs> yes, yeah, there you go. Yeah, <laughs> we'll, see, we'll see. So, 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 Mike. So, Michael, I don't know if I could have set that up any better for you, Jeff. But well, well, well here's the thing. I, I, I host so many shows that you were actually my first guest on on Freedom One on One, which okay. is on free, which is on Freedom First. This one, this has been going on for like two years now. Oh, uh, so, so otherwise, totally would have been total kudos for you. <laughs> you are a man and highly productive. Congratulations. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, like, I think, I think it was last week. I think I did 11 podcasts. So yeah, I'm, I'm a, I'm a busy guy. Um, okay. So what I, what I wanted to do today, uh, for, for this, uh, as again, it's not really celebratory, but, it, but I think it's bringing us back to our main mission overall is, and, and we de- we're dealing with this on two different fronts both within the Christian world and then also within the political world. But right now, obviously, we're, we're, we're in mass chaos in our country. We're seeing our constitutional rights being threatened. We're seeing our faith being uh, attacked constantly, even by our, our own government. And so I think this conversation I really want to have is, what the heck do we have to do in order to save our country? 
Um, and, 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 you know, we can talk long-term, we can talk short, short-term. And again, this is kind of a, this will be a free-for-all conversation. We can interact with each other, jump around. You guys don't just have to wait for me to call on you. But, but I want to start with Michael. Okay. So, right. so when, when we're looking at the state of where we're at right now, obviously we're dealing with, you know, government, our government is refusing to even acknowledge, it seems like our United States constitution. We've got governors, you know, taking away constitutional rights left to right. I'm experiencing constantly out here in California. But then also too, it's like we're still we're still legislating and fighting over who's going to be our next president. How, how do we decipher as conservatives? Like, how are we supposed to move forward when when so much is up in the air right now? I think you have to start with the issue of the moment, which is the unresolved presidential election, and what I'm sensing, which is what I sensed in early 2009 when the Tea Party movement launched was that there was a lot of a lot of emotion running through tens of millions of Americans. Uh, there was fear, uh, anxiety, uncertainty, a sense of loss even as it relates to the country. And when I look right now, not in the established conservative circles, which seem unbelievably to be not taking this terribly seriously. I mean, we have two credible attorneys with very long, laudable records one of whom, Rudy Giuliani, is going to go down as an icon in, in American history for breaking up the five mob families in uh, New York City, the greatest mayor of that city and one of the greatest cities in the world. And, you know, it was all these people have no reason to be misrepresenting the facts. And then on top of it, we've got affidavits and emerging evidence, court rulings that have already gone in our decision, a decision now by a federal judge in Pennsylvania to, to cease the certification process based on these allegations. My question sort of is not to, you know, um, those over there who are saying that there's no fraud because they have a, a, a clear political angle and, and reason to do that. But where is our side as representative democracy faces in a very credible that, uh, threat? I don't know how this is going to work out for us. Uh, don't you know, it's impossible. We establish all these facts and win in the court. The president actually gets four more years. It's impossible we establish all these facts and lose in the court, at which point there's going to be, I think, enormous frustration with, with um, the judicial process and with the electoral process. It's possible we don't establish all these facts, but there's no doubt that this system already, with what we know today, has exposed extraordinary vulnerabilities and, and unethical and even illegal practices as it relates to poll watching, as it relates to the counting process itself as it relates to the technology. We never again should be using foreign technology in, in, or foreign companies for the purposes of counting U.S. votes. It's outrageous to me. And it's outrageous, as I mentioned right before we came on, that we have been permissive, apparently, of these things. So a movement has to be united. All of the areas of potential concern have to be managed and monitored. And as opposed to blaming what likely is a corrupt political practice in the in the democratic establishment that they that has exerted its influence. We also have to look within ourselves and say, where were we, knowing that, you know as we do now that these issues were all set up in ways that were designed to compromise the system that so many Americans have died to defend. And so I think we take our stand right now. What do we? However it plays out, I think in doing so the credibility. Uh, of our movement and of our position and of our and, and us as, as individuals within that 
will grow. And I think we also got to take notes on who's not standing up at this moment, because for the life of me, I don't get that. I don't understand how you cannot right now be immensely concerned and seeking the, at least the truth, the facts, and supporting the litigation process that Giuliani and Sidney Powell are leading. Yeah. Well, you know, it, it was, it was, that, that was basically like the topic of my podcast this morning was basically me, me ranting and raving about how, you know, I, I'm really frustrated with these supposed conservatives and Republicans who are basically saying, you know, you know, we're at that point now where, you know, hey, let's just concede. Better luck next time. We'll try again next time. And I'm like, dude, there, there's not going to be a next time. Did you guys not see the Joe Biden saying we're going to make the, the illegal immigrants here legal? That alone will make it to where we're not going to have another Republican president, probably possibly even ever in our lifetime when you're talking 10 to 30 million new Democrat votes on top of that, every single other thing that they're trying to do, like lower the voting age, make felons have the right to vote, make Washington, D.C. a state. Like the list goes on and on. And right. it's like you've got these conservatives or supposed conservatives, I'll call them, who are like, dude, you know, let's just peaceful transition of power. I'm like, why would we peacefully transfer to the enemy? No matter if the economy is up or down, healthcare careers continue to grow, especially in management. Stevenson University Online's Master's in Healthcare Management can put your career on a new track, especially for career changers with previous business, HR, or technology backgrounds. Discover new opportunities with our Healthcare Management Masters. No GREs, no application fees, and 100% online. Visit online.stevenson.edu slash healthcare management. Paralegals are highly essential from law firms and courtrooms to insurance, real estate, HR, and more. If a paralegal career or law school is in your future, Stevenson University Online's Bachelor's in Legal Studies will help you achieve your goals affordably with no application fee. 100% online, approved by the American Bar Association with new online sessions starting every eight weeks. Get started today. Visit stevenson.edu slash paralegal. Bank of Clark County is making it easy to give to local charities. We're featuring a different one at each of our Bank of Clark County locations. To find out how you can support their good work, visit our website at www.bankofclark.bank or follow us on our social media channels and the hashtag GiveWithBOCC. Happy Holidays from all of us at Bank of Clark County. Member FDIC. I mean, it, yeah, and it's not, it's look, even set the politics aside. If he was the, you know, assuming Biden incorporated didn't exist, assuming he, we had all these lingering questions about the transfer of tens of millions of dollars into his family and questions about this isn't even the policy. And frankly, I would hope that even if this were an issue of Trump's reelection and we had, and, and, and the, and the other side were raising these questions, I would think the legitimacy of the process is priority one. So here we have all of these organizations who've been telling us over and over and over again how much they re, uh, revere and defend the Constitution of the United States. Now, with credible emerging allegations, yet unproven, but, but it, certainly enough for us to say, yes, there's something here. It's time for those guys to stand up and defend you know, the very representative democracy at the core of our Constitution. And these guys are completely missing in action. It's inexcusable. You know, if you're a donor to these groups or you're involved in these groups, you know, you got to realize you do have leverage. You got to you got to get them to focus on this. I cannot believe how distracted uh, and and unseriously these are these issues are being taken. And if we don't resolve them now, I, I don't know if you're true that if it's true that we'll never have them. That's like the worst 
the case outcome. But uh, even if we do, procedurally, we are compromising and allowing, comp- we're allowing corrupt technologies, corrupt and illegal practices to, to become a bedrock foundation of the way our elections will occur. And people are just going to lose confidence in the system as they've lost, lost confidence in many countries of the world, many of which I've been in, uh, who, who, you know, you can't, they can't stop talking about about what they lost and why they weren't more engaged while they were losing it. We don't want to look back ever with that degree of introspection about what we do right now. It's time to stand and defend this. It doesn't mean we have to speculate about what's going to be, you know, unearthed or what the outcome will be. But certainly we need to support this as priority one confronting the country. Yeah, no, absolutely. Now, now Dustin, I, w- I want to throw it over to you because I, I know one of the things that you know, and like what we we're just talking about is we've got a lot of these conservatives or supposed, you know, GOP guys that are kind of, it's like they're lacking a spine. I, I think, I think also part of, part of the other problem that, that we're having right now is, is we do have a lot of people that are giving lip service to President Trump and, and promoting him and things like that. But when push comes to shove, what are they actually doing? There's a lot of talk, but there's not a lot of action. What, J- Dustin, what's your kind of take on, on what's going on right now within the Republican side? And and what do you think? What do you think is in the future uh, from that perspective? Well, <clears throat> I think that what we're seeing with the Republican side is that um, you know, especially what he was just saying, uh, Michael, that uh, it's the demotivating of people and, and then causing the confusion. So, what you have now is you have a, a people that have been with Trump at some point and then now they've been kind of biding their time as far as what I've seen and when it came down to this election interference and theft that they used that as an opportunity to uh, jump ship you know just like uh, you have that idiot uh, Rubio uh, on his night trying to talk about that you know Trump just should go ahead and concede this election and things like that so I think that what you're also getting here is people who do want to pay lip service to Trump in order to keep a following. That's why I always had, a, like Mitch McConnell, I've always had a problem with the guy about how he just kind of, and he stepped up this time, you know, surprisingly. But I've always kind of wondered about how he says things in public, but perhaps behind the scenes, which, you know, this is just an opinion, that maybe he's working against Trump. I mean, you know, you can sit there and throw money at this and that, and you could throw lip service to all of it. But what are you doing other than that to stop it? Like, you know, Lindsey Graham himself, who actually just in the last couple of years really started to come on after the death of McCain and, and, and change what he was saying about Trump. But why why all of a sudden now are you doing it? Is it because right now Trump's fighting this and you want to show that you're supporting it, but you're acting against him uh and I think that what the future holds for the Republican Party is that it's going to be extremely divided. First, you divided and polarized the United States with the the right, the moderate, and then left. And so now you're completely all, either on this side, the, the left side or the right side. Now what you're doing here is uh, dividing the Republican Party, the conservatives against each other who just want to not deal with any of the pressure out on because this whole year the whole COVID uh, situation they've been disheartened and they've been pushed around and many people have lost uh, a lot of their incomes a lot of their assets a lot of their hope uh, 
And so right now it's really trying to drive that final wedge, which will greatly divide the conservative Republican Party. And what's going to happen, in my opinion, is you're going to really see who truly is conservative and who can hang tough. And then you're going to see people go away. And then they're probably going to just either uh, be disenfranchised and no longer show up to vote, no longer show up to support candidates who are traditionally conservative because they're not going to want to do those things anymore because the fight's been taken out of them. And I see that happening now that where it's going to be a remnant of Republicans and conservatives who stand here after all of this is finished. Yeah. And, 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 I, and I think to a certain degree, you know, we're, we're, we're looking at this and, and I think we're trying to figure out like, how do, how do we as conservatives and how do we as Christians, how do, how do we move forward, uh, you know, in, into this, this new territory that we find ourselves in right now. And I think on one hand, obviously, we're kind of having this ideological civil war within our country. Uh, but also, I feel like to a certain degree, we're kind of having this ideological civil war within uh, the Republican Party, too, on like, what does it actually mean to be conservative? What does it actually mean to be Republican? I think that that's what, what we're really going to have to figure out, especially over the next couple of years. Obviously, like Michael was saying at the very beginning, we've got to, to we've got to have the support for Sid, for Sidney Powell, Rudy Giuliani, because they're on the front lines because, you know, to a certain degree, it's, it's kind of, you know, now or never time of, you know, we've got to make sure that we keep Trump in office, uh, if we, if we want to protect our country. Um, now, now, Shu, I want to kind of toss it over to you really quick and, and then, and then we'll hop over to Ken. Um, but, but Shu, from your perspective, um, where do you think we are at, as a Republican party, as conservatives? And what do you think we need to do to actually um, have the right kind of conservative movement moving forward? I think it's in order to have the correct mindset moving into, I guess, the polarization within the party is to get everybody on the same page, to realize what it is we are exactly standing for, which you kind of touched on a little bit earlier, is this idea of conservatism. It's the idea of actually conserving what this nation was founded upon, the original foundations, the structure that this nation was built on, and which leader is going to be able to promulgate that. Um, I think having dialogue and conversations between each other as well as within the party is going to help bring some of that together to not treat each other as if they're stupid or ignorant or anything like that, even though, frankly, they might be. It's being able to pull them in and be like, this is, these are the facts. This is what happened. This is what not happened. And that's why, like, I'm not jumping on anything until everything goes through the courts and we see all the evidence that is presented at that time and let the court rulings handle as it should be and then move forward from there. And then, because I think if you put too much uh, how do I want to say this? If if you go too headlong into something without having the substantial evidence necessary, then I think that erodes trust within the system as well. And if we erode that trust, then I have trouble that any of us will believe in the system again. And it's the system that I think if we fall away from, from not being able to believe in our electoral college or be able to believe in our electoral system, I think that erodes what it is to be an American. And if there is seriously no trust, in that system, we're already at that point where there is no trust. What are you doing? If you're just sitting there and, you know, like just accepting it and you, you're you like, oh, the system's corrupt and it's all broke and, and nothing's working anymore. Well, it's going to be like that for the next election and the next election. So it's time to wake up and actually do something about it. 
Yeah, no, that's that's really true, and I think that that kind of also leads us a little bit into you know the question I want to throw at Ken really quick as well is you know so so Ken I know I know you know I think that again this may have been the main topic of our first conversation was you leaving uh, your church leaving the Gospel Coalition and 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 severing ties with them. Um, but but uh, can you kind of talk about like where how how much involvement do you think the evangelical church has had? in a lot of this decay that we've been seeing happening within conservatism, even even in this push toward, as a country, towards the left, what role do you think that the church has had in that? You know, the church has been, I think, uh, pretty much, pretty much uh, non-existent, uh, at, at the least very lame. And uh, that's why I'm, I just planted a church two months ago called Patriot Church. That I know these, I'm going to get so much criticism just for the name. Uh, they're going to accuse me of idolatry and, and worshiping Trump and worshiping the flag and, and all this goofy stuff, which is ridiculous. Listen, I grew up God and country. My dad was God and country. And it wasn't a bad thing when I grew up. How did being God and country all of a sudden become this great sin of idolatry? No. We love the gospel. We love Jesus Christ. We love the church. But man, this is a great country. It was it's it's an exceptional country. There's there's never been a country like this that that has the religious freedom that's uh, propagated the gospel around the world. And uh, so, the church has been non-existent. Now, here's the deal: we are under attack right now from a domestic enemy. Many of our military guys made an oath to, to protect the Constitution against enemies, both foreign and domestic. Like I've never seen in my life, we have a domestic enemy right now called leftism. It's in the church. It's in the country. And right now, if the church doesn't arise, if gospel, Jesus-believing, Bible-believing, Christian patriots don't arise, we're going to lose this country. I agree with Sidney Powell. This is our 1775. We are there right now. And, and uh, I feel it in my, my spirit, and I feel like it's all coming to a head, and I feel like patriots are starting to wake up. So uh, I, I'm, I'm actually excited. I think this whole thing is going to get overturned. I, that's my gut. I just listened to the press conference. I don't know if you guys heard it. And uh, one of the spikes in Pennsylvania had uh, Biden with 570,000 votes and Trump with 3,200 in the same hour. Come on, give me a break. There was massive fraud. I think we all know it deep down. And like Shu said, yeah, we got to wait for the facts, but I have a feeling these, I have a feeling the facts are going to show massive cheating. Come on, this is the left. They approve of killing babies up to the point of birth and even after birth. These are not God fearing people. They will cheat without batting an eye. So I actually have an excitement in my bones. Uh, Jeff and I think uh, I think the church has been complicit, but I think she's going to start stern in Jesus' name. I'm going to do all I can to make that happen. Yeah. Now, 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 now Michael, with with everything going on right now, uh, you know, dealing with all this voter fraud and, and all of that. Obviously, there's 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 accusations going going left and right, and ev- everybody's got their own perspective and their own take, you know, on what's going on. Um, you know, I, I feel like for me, you know, like looking at this, it's it's I think a lot of times it can be really hard for people to understand, OK, what's actually truth versus what's what's fiction. What do you think that 
you know, just everyday everyday Americans that are watching this right now, what do you think that they need that they should be paying attention to the most as to what's what's most important when it comes to this whole voter fraud situation? Yeah, really good question. Let me try to simplify what I think we know and what we don't know. Well, we know, firstly, there's no president elect. Uh, media, we're never, you know, you can read the Constitution, you can read, uh, you know, Article Two. There's no part in our Constitution that that empowers any particular media outlet to determine who the next president is. The next president, as of this particular moment, has not yet been selected. We go through a series of processes, including the certification of state votes, which themselves are open to challenge. Should we actually uh, be able to establish legal facts down the road in some of these cases? And then we go through the process of the selection of electors, and then we have the electors vote. all as part of a series of developments leading up to a January 20 inauguration. Um, at no point it, as facts become unveiled through these legal proceedings based on orders of federal courts, uh, is this irreversible, which means right now, no American concerned about our freedoms or the seriousness of some criminal conspiracy to uh, impact the outcome of an election can be you cannot ignore the the those issues the, and then as you get into the actual allegations themselves here's what we know i mean number one were poll watchers denied their legal right to observe um these elections yes in state after state after state after state did we have arbitrary bizarre and still unexplained closures of vote counting centers yes we did in pennsylvania and michigan and elsewhere did we have uh, curious arrivals of ballots at four in the morning in Detroit dropped off uh, in bags and boxes and, and that went 100 percent for Biden and zero percent for Trump. Yes, we did. We have affidavits to these effects on all of these issues. So this is not like Michael John's opinion or even the opinion of, of the Council of Record for the Trump campaign. These are demonstrable facts. In the case of Philadelphia, it was acknowledged with an affirmative order that that required uh, the Philadelphia Voting Center to take corrective steps to address to address this issue. My view now is, what do we do? I think we look at all all of these series of problems and look at where the points of accountability are on our side. So, for instance, on the Dominion and Smartmatic technologies which um, are very much a centerpiece question, but which have, but none, of those, none of those allegations have been established as legal fact yet. There's not even a filing that's been made yet federally on it. Uh, I think Sydney promised a filing within two weeks and she promised that it would be profound, profoundly impactful. I don't think we speculate on that until we see it, but the point is, even if, let's assume nothing comes of that. Are we, is it our position as constitutional conservatives that we want foreign equipment uh, and, and voting uh, technologies that have been associated with incident of fraud after incident of fraud from Venezuela to Argentina, Philippines, on and on, uh, even in our own country in, in uh, Chicago election a few years back, r- running, technolo- running these vote counts through uh, Germany, Frankfurt, Germany, and Barcelona, Spain, would anyone have looked at that process a year ago or even six months ago and said, yeah, that seems credible and, and reliable and probably the best way to structure an election system? Of course, we 
Bank of Clark County is making it easy to give to local charities. We're featuring a different one at each of our Bank of Clark County locations. To find out how you can support their good work, visit our website at www.bankofclark.bank or follow us on our social media channels and the hashtag GiveWithBOCC. Happy Holidays from all of us at Bank of Clark County. Member FDIC. The holidays are a moment of togetherness and joy and a reminder of how tradition creates happy and fulfilled communities. Make this holiday season patriotic with a visit to National Harbor and its stunning new Spirit Park. Marvel at one of the largest American flags in the region and beautiful displays of American art. Make this holiday season the most meaningful of all at National Harbor. Learn more at nationalharbor.com dash spirit park. You can live a long, healthy life if you're HIV positive. With the current treatments, we can get patients down to being undetectable. The array of options is so much greater today. U equals U. Undetectable equals untransmittable. If someone who's HIV positive, they're taking their medication, they're undetectable, they're not able to pass HIV to their partners. Do it for you, Montgomery County. Your HIV treatment is their prevention. Get more information at doitforumc.org. I think we're getting we're getting some feedback coming on. Let, let me see if we can fix that. Okay, Michael, try and go ahead, go again. If we if we had all these facts established and had had, had been asked what our view was in this sort of vote, voting technology system, we would say number one, the idea of running vote counts outside the United States is an outrageous non-starter, and we would have, and it should, and it should never again happen in this country. Number two, even the very idea of using technologies that were developed by foreign countries to me is unreliable and too susceptible to um, compromise. That never again should happen. Number three, if we're going to go to federal court and say all of us as leaders in this movement and as believers in our cause are going to credibly argue that the Dominion and SmartMac technologies were have been historically prone to fraud and that they were a component of this larger fraud um, that occurred on November 3, why now are we not demanding accountability for those individuals who made those decisions on the state level, which I believe is somewhere like 27 to 30 states and 2,000 jurisdictions. So in 2,000 individual cases, personnel charged with defending the integrity of our election, while simultaneously Democrats have been warning about, you know, Russian hacking. And, you know, it was, an, it was a clear national consensus on both sides that we did not want it to be intervention or interference in this election. How are we now allowed to believe or expected to believe that these individuals made credible and sound decisions in the selection of this technology? It was a wholly irresponsible decision. There are vague allegations that there were kickbacks associated with them. That's not yet been an established as a legal fact, so I'm not prepared to do to say that's happened, but those individuals need to be immediately, essentially, in my judgment, removed from those positions. Their singular charge of action was to guarantee a secure process, and they gravitated to what is undeniably like the least secure, a, a company, companies whose literally their brand identity was known for their inability to, to provide a secure election, and, and through Hugo Chavez, in, in uh, starting with Hugo Chavez in Venezuela, and continuing through Maduro, the, the Smartmatic 
systems were literally designed for the purposes of rigging an election. I mean, have you heard any alternative explanation as to why that would be a defensible decision, even if we're not able to establish that any even one vote was manipulated through the process? Is there anyone who would stand up and say, yes, of all the systems available, let's use this one that, that two or three individuals close to Hugo Chavez developed for the purposes of manipulating elections, that's, whose corporate headquarters is, is in um, Toronto, Canada, and not even in the United States, and for whom, in the case of Dominion, I think, unless I'd missed something to this date, I don't think anyone really can say um, who, the owner, who the owners of the company even are. Yeah, well, well, that, that's interesting about about, about Dominion uh, specifically as well, because because I, I remember when I first started, uh, you know, hearing about this when this was popping up right after the election, and I and I and I and so I started doing some research on them, and the thing and the the, the frustrating thing for me is as you know, I think it was Michael Steele was speaking on Fox News Fox News the other day, and he was and he's you know the representative of of Dominion right now, and, and he's saying you know we're an American company, and I and I saw. A, uh, a written statement that, that was submitted to Congress from Dominion, I, I believe from a couple of years ago, saying that they're an American company. But the reality of it is... A company like Toshiba is an American company. They have U.S. operations, but you define a company's origin as where they're headquartered and, and initially incorporated. And this company set up its operations in Toronto, Canada. That's indisputably its global headquarters. By the way, since these allegations emerged, they've moved their location in Toronto. And, you know, one of my great concerns right now, if you're looking to, you know, sort of look at this objectively, uh, you have to say it's evidence production, right? So for whatever reason, they went out with these vast allegations of of, with immense specificity saying all these things have occurred, we're going to establish it through motions and, um, and through uh, filings in federal court. As of today, no filings. and maybe there was a motive behind that. Maybe it was to get states to rethink the certifications. But the point is, you clearly have put the perpetuators of this fraud, if it did in fact exist, on notice that we're aware of it, that we're engaged in a vast federal investigation. And that federal investigation might not, it might st- it might go beyond even the Trump uh, legal team. It could be DOJ and, and FBI, I would hope even though our trust has been eroded there, you would hope this is exactly the sort of issue that should be priority number one to our attorney general and to, um, you know, and, and to that, those departments. Uh, so I'm concerned about the cover-up of evidence. I'm concerned that there, uh, the worst case outcome in my judgment is that we find that there is, there is, that there were credible allegations here that this almost certainly did happen. And then we're not able to establish in a court of law that I'm not sure where that leaves the American voter. That's a worst case outcome. And when you look at it from foreign enemies and from hostile nations of the world, what is, the one thing they really want is to see an erosion of trust and confidence in our system by the American people. So, you know, the thing is to find our greatness for over for 230 years or so has been this pride that the American people have properly taken and representative government, the rule of law, when you erode those things, when you corrupt them at a high level, what you're also simultaneously doing is separating the government from its people. Government of the people becomes a government distanced from its people. And at that point, uh, the uniqueness, the greatness, um, the uniqueness that we've held 
and that we have defended vigorously against domestic and foreign threats for over two centuries becomes incredibly a question, which is why if I'm on a, right now, if you're turning to conservative media or conservative think tanks or organizations, and this is not priority one, I think you gotta, you gotta say there's an emerging leadership crisis at this judgment because they have not reviewed this evidence. They, I guarantee you they haven't. I know in my own communications that they haven't. Um, what we're prepared to discuss here, at least what I'm prepared to share is about as much as exists in the public domain and it's enough that you can't possibly look at this and say that it's not a fire alarm for the purposes of our constitution and rule of law and for free and fair elections. Yeah, no, that, that that's a that's a very good point. And, and I think and I think kind of going along with that, too, like, you know, and, and I'm glad you were talking specifically about uh, where even Dominion is based in, because because, again, they were founded in Canada and they and they, they and from what I saw. That they were, they only became a quote unquote American company in 2018 when an investment firm came in and, and bought them. But, but the thing is like the founders, the people that are running the show to see, like, so we've got legitimately, technically foreign interference in our election, running 30 of the elections in, in our country. To me, that, that's really dangerous. But then we couple that with the fact, and this is where I want to throw that, throw this over to you, Dustin, is we couple this with the fact, uh, we've got, it seems like collusion to a certain degree. With uh, between mainstream media, big tech, politicians, and all that kind of stuff, and, and again, that is really wearing um, our trust away in the information that we get. Dustin, what what do you make of of you know we can call it propaganda, we can call it censorship, we can call it fake news, whatever it is. But what do you make of of the way that all of this has been handled from um, from like a publicity standpoint? Well, Jeff. The big thing here is that you have to stay in the public eye in order to guide them. And then what we've seen with this, especially on election night, was you saw the foundational, the establishment media, Fox News, quickly turn against the American people. So, boom, what did they do there? They started to take the faith away from them in a system that they traditionally relied upon for information. So what do you do here is you use that propaganda to make people believe that they can't trust anything that is a source of information anymore. So what does it do when you can't trust the sources of information? It sows confusion. So what are they doing is they're sowing confusion among the people. They don't know who to turn to for what's the facts and what's not the facts. And therein lies the problem. What? They will no longer be able to function critically and decide where they should go, the directions they should go, who they should stand behind. So you start eroding that trust in the information that they've always gotten, and they cannot make decisions to do the right things anymore. So what's happening here is it does drive that wedge in between people. You have people arguing about who's the real good sources of information and who isn't. And then so with the media propaganda that we're getting, we see that people are going to go directions everywhere, right? So they no longer can see a path forward demotivates people unless they're those who have been digging into this for a while now. And so you got people that sit back now 
they throw their hands up in the air. So your sources of media now that people relied upon can no longer be trusted. And also what that does is it makes an opening for organizations like us or independent media companies to really take hold of those people and lead them with information, especially carefully not to have it centered on just opinion. you got to pretty much now give them the facts and then stand back and let them decipher the information because they don't trust the sources anymore. And I think that that's what the problem is here now. Yeah, no, absolutely. I'm, I'm totally, I'm totally with you on that one. And, and, and I think too, you know, and Ken, this might, this might be an, in, an interesting question for me to throw at you, right? So, so I think we've already established that, uh, nobody really trusts the mainstream media. I mean, to a certain degree, we can't really trust Fox News. I mean, I mean, obviously, I think, I think some of the opinion guys over there are still good, but it seems like the news media has, has been compromised, at least, at least in my opinion, right? And so we don't really know where to get our news from. I, I think, and you and I have discussed this in the past when it comes to pastors and churches, where, I think that there's been a major void within Christianity of really speaking into politics, right? And, and this could be that opportunity for sound, godly, biblical pastors to begin to fill that void. But then how do we, how do we get them to actually do that? Because it seems like a lot of pastors are kind of scared to dive into that, to that realm. But again, you're the guy that, that started Patriot Church. So you, you may be kind of, you know, possibly lead, lead the movement of pastors to kind of come around and become patriotic. But what do you think that our pastors need to be doing in order to be pushing our country forward in the right direction? Well, CNN isn't going to be quiet. Uh, the the um, public schools aren't going to be quiet. The universities aren't going to be quiet. Social media is not going to be quiet. Hollywood's not going to be quiet. They're going to be uh, speaking out. So what do we have? We have talk radio. We have shows like this. Thank God for shows like this. And we have these things in America called churches where thousands and thousands of people go. Well, they used to go before they all obeyed their local governor and shut down. But uh, typically thousands of people go to church. Man, if preachers would stand strong and preach forth the word of God, but also hit these hit these subjects, you know, defend our country. America's been good to the church. America's been good to the preachers. We get tax discounts, man. We get tax-free churches. We don't pay property tax. I'm a pastor. I, I get housing allowance. It's amazing what this country does for us. It's time for preachers to speak out. Now, do I think they will? I don't. I think pastors won't. They use a 501c3 for their excuse. They play politics with their people. They play politics with their deacons, with their elders. They don't want to offend anybody that might be a Democrat. Somebody's grandma might be visiting on a Sunday, and she might be a liberal from California. That's where they all live. And and I'm sorry, Jeff. I just threw that in for you, bro. I'm, and, extre- uh, I'm extremely offended. Yeah, 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 I'm sorry. I'm sorry. But um, you know what? So here's the deal. The only thing I think that's going to get pastors to speak is number one, if pastors see guys like me speaking and and then maybe it'll put courage inside of them. But I think ultimately people need to leave churches who are shutting down every time the governor says boo and which basically makes them a state run church and their governor is their chief apostle or whatever. You know, so they people People have a voice, just like in our government they have a voice. They have a voice within the Church of Jesus Christ. People need to get in churches 
like Rob McCoy's church in California. That that church sounds amazing. It's a Calvary Chapel. Uh, uh, John MacArthur's uh, opened up, and 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 he's doing the right thing. So, you know, people got to get into churches like that, and then pastors got to be bold. And I think when we do, I think when we do, there's going to be a tidal wave in this nation. So, um, anyway, yes, to answer your question, Jeff, come on, preachers. Be a prophetic voice to this nation. Don't let it go to hell in a handbasket without you fighting for it and speaking out. Yeah, for sure. And, and, and then I think as well, kind of going along with that, and this is where I'll throw it over to you, Shu, because because you know you you some of, I think some of your first articles you wrote on the gatekeepers was uh, was a series on on being a man. What was it? Be a man, man. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, but 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 I think that that that's really something that I think is is sorely lacking. I think right now is is like the the, the strength and having a spine and actually taking a stand because it seems like and and this and again this. Not, not to completely just constantly rag on Republicans and conservatives and things like that, but it seems like a lot of times we concede way too early, way too soon. And, and I think that, you know, this is what I want to throw to you. How do we move forward as a conservative movement? Um, and, and understand we're going to have attacks. We're going to have people going after us. We're going to, we're going to, like, they're going to be trying to discredit us and take us down and all that kind of stuff. How do we move forward to save our country? but still at the same time have the strength in, in order to actually do that. When it all comes down to it, it comes down to responsibility and not just personal responsibility, but responsibility of the country, the neighborhood, the town, the city, the state you live in. It's the ability to take up that responsibility and say, this is my town. This is my city. This is my family. I'm going to take charge of it. And I'm going to move forward and promulgate I guess my agenda, the agenda that is best for my people and within my state. I think to touch a little bit on what Ken Peter said is I think that that's been lost in the church. The ability to take responsibility has been lost because, oh, it's too hard. We can't possibly do that because I might get attacked or something like that. Well, guess what? Anything worth standing for is always under attack. If you're not under attack, you're not doing anything. And I think the fact that people have gotten so soft especially behind the pulpit. And even like a lot of our uh, legislators or people in government, they don't want to stand for anything because they're afraid it's divisive. They're afraid that they won't be elected again or that the pastor is like, well, it might cause a rift in the church. Well, Christ was pretty divisive when he came here on earth. Just saying. Bank of Clark County is making it easy to give to local charities. We're featuring a different one at each of our Bank of Clark County locations. To find out how you can support their good work, visit our website at www.bankofclark.bank or follow us on our social media channels and the hashtag GiveWithBOCC. Happy Holidays from all of us at Bank of Clark County. Member FDIC. This holiday season, pay tribute to the people who fought for our freedom to celebrate. Featuring the largest American flag in the region, Spirit Park is now open at National Harbor, honoring active duty military and veterans. Take some time this holiday to remember, offer gratitude, and be inspired by the sacrifices of our service men and women who make our way of life possible. Plan your visit at nationalharbor.com slash spiritpark. That's nationalharbor.com slash spiritpark. And if you're unwilling to stand behind the pulpit and be like, hey, guys, you as a congregation, you know what's right. I have trained you, if it was any pastor worth his salt, 
to take up responsibility, how to act within your culture, within the people around you, it's time to go out into the world and do that. And if you fail to do that, or if you, it's too hard to do that, then we deserve the country that we're getting today. I'm sorry to say it, but you know, I can't remember who it was exactly who said it, but the American people know what they want and they deserve to get it good and hard. And I believe that if we're too weak to stand up and to take responsibility of our country because we're afraid of hurting other people's feelings, we deserve this country to go downhill. It's our fault. You're not going to stand up back then. What makes you think that you're going to stand up now? Wake up. Amen. Yeah. Well, you know, it, 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 and see, like, to, like to me, that that's the important thing I think as we're moving forward. And this is where, like, even even Michael and I have had some of these conversations on, like, how do we actually get a movement going? How how do we actually bring you know conservatism back? How do yeah. how do we, how do we actually accomplish anything? And and I think you know we'll kind of throw this to to each of you guys as you know we're, we're beginning to kind of wrap up here because I know we've been going about an hour now. But it as as we're looking at the future, right? So let, let's just let's just hypothetically make the assumption that Trump's team is going to pull this off and Trump's going to get a second term and, and, and things along those lines. Right. So we'll take the optimistic approach. So let, let's say this happens. What do we have to do as conservatives in order to fix the problem? Because obviously, if Trump loses, then, you know, we, we've got a huge we've got a totally different battle to fight. We've got to figure out how do we take back our country overall. But at a certain point, I think. Even if Trump wins, we have to figure out how do we actually reform the Republican Party into true conservatism. So, so Michael, from your from your take and your position, what do we got to do in order to move forward and, and fix the system, fix our party and ultimately fix our country? We have two things going for us and one big thing in my judgment going against us. The two things going for us are, number one, our ideas, principles. Uh, are very much consistent with the founding of this country, and they're the better of all of the options available. We have the best policies and the best ideas. Uh, clearly, that's proven not enough to get this done. Uh, it's been helpful, but it's not enough. Number two is I do think the American people, by and large, um, are with us when this is articulated in a sensible, understandable way. So I think the people continue to be largely with us. So if you have both of those, how are we losing? We're losing because of this third component of the control of influential institutions in our country has been abandoned or not even managed really by anyone within this movement. So we now talk as a matter of fact, and I think accurately, that the fact that media as an institution has been co-opted and become a political entity, academia, in uh, some of the most prestigious universities in this country, in the history of the world, have been co-opted and part of a political agenda. Um, tr- clearly, it's true in churches, maybe less so. But, you know, I can remember all the way back to my original uh, involvement politically in the 80s. We were dealing with liberation theology and the infiltration of really a progressive corruption of the word of God. Um, when that wasn't challenged were there any limitations really to what they would do or what they could potentially do? We we've sat back and watched institution after institution fall to the point where now we're literally having a discussion that I think most of us would concede we would never have envisioned ever having to have whether a presidential election was in fact stolen from the people of this country in a uh, criminal uh, act uh, that 
you have to at some point start assuming responsibility. And part of assuming responsibility is saying, hey, look, if your job the last 20 years was to make sure that, you know, our our principals were not purged from these various institutions and you didn't do that, you're not the right person for that job. And to augment the, the comment about the pastor standing up and leading, it, it, there's a certain division of labor also within all this. I mean, you know, a pastor... It, goes through seminary school, is in counseling, it's um, uh, it, church members, is pulled in a lot of different directions. And if on top of all that, they've got the boldness to lead, that's great. But it's not really the skill set that they probably have spent most of their time developing. They shouldn't have to fight that battle alone. It should be one that we're there and prepared to help them with sensible, strategic, and ultimately successful guidance um, and to help them through it. And if they're not, if, like just to take the closed down orders, if the closed down orders are clearly irrational or if standards being applied are contradictory, you know, we have got to let them know that we have the resources to push back and fight and win. And by the way, when we've challenged a lot of these cases on First Amendment uh, religious freedom basis, there's been really good success so far in the courts. But you can't, um, you can't get, tr- we can't be, sort of steamrolled and expect that we're going to someday just sort of awaken and reclaim all of these institutions and all these constitutional rights. They need to be defended right now in a cohesive way. All of us work together as the left has proven they can do so successfully uh, toward common ends and building alliances, uh, even if they're not, even if there's not 100% symmetry on every issue, building alliances where you can find them and working to do it. We're not really functioning as a movement. I'm not even sure there is a conservative movement at this juncture, um, evidenced by the fact that this should be the fire alarms going off that would bring everyone together. And clearly, even even the very threat of a of a presidential election being stolen in a in a partisan um, criminal undertaking is not enough to move these people to action. And you know, at some point you got to say, we don't have the right people leading. We don't have the right people in the right jobs. There's certain functions completely, at least as it relates to the preservation of these institutions that have been completely neglected. This is a holistic battle of which the issues that we confront at this very moment are just a component. And if you're just focusing on the net or you're kind of waiting for someone to um, get around to you individually being affected, you're waiting too long. So the leadership crisis is one of all of us working together, being acutely aware of what's occurring and what's threatening and having coherent plans that we execute that are designed to preserve and protect uh, the constitution, our system of government, individual freedom in this country, or I agree with everybody here, we don't do those things, we will lose it. And um, I've, you know, I've dealt and spoken a lot with individuals in, in, in repressed totalitarian and autocratic societies. Those individuals always are looking in the rearview mirror saying, how do we allow that to happen? Because now it's gone and we can't get it back. It'd be foolish to think we're some prominent global exception to that rule. Clearly, we're not. Um, the greatness of America will be the greatness of the people, not even of these not even in this election process, it will be the, the people standing up to strip away um, from forces of evil, right? I mean, um, rigging an election, stealing, I mean, uh, the free, I mean, and ripping that back and doing it in a way that is ultimately triumphant 
and indicative of our strength to defend this system. And, and if we can't do that cohesively, if we can't bring Americans around that cause, um, you know, then we are a leaderless movement of ideologues who are just going to write books and and blogs about the downfall of America. And by the way, the people that are out there covering the downfall of America on TV shows or writing books or whatever, they're not. Oh, these you can't view these people as our leaders. If they're doing that as part of their undertaking, great. But the leadership is the battle that is occurring all over this country in a series of micro battles that ultimately ends up to the totality of one big one. And if you're not engaged in those struggles in leading people toward righteous, constructive victories, you are helpful on the margins, perhaps. But don't look to those people as leaders. I'm astonished, you know, when I when I ask people kind of like where they're getting their direction, who they're following, the sort of names that people they're mentioning that wouldn't consider themselves leaders. You know what I mean? So I do believe in the power of the grassroots. I think it's been demonstrated in the Tea Party movement's success, its ability to replace Pelosi, to replace Harry Reid. We took out two, two bodies of con- to Congress. We laid the foundation for a populist presidential candidate to run against the Republican Party establishment and win. Uh, and that final point of the Republican Party itself, I mean, I was a little surprised, to be honest, that Trump weighed in on the support for the status quo at the RNC, because it seems to me all of these election deficiencies are things that they should have been engaged in. Uh, I don't know where they were when we were, you know, agreeing to spend taxpayer money and acquiring Dominion and Smartmatic systems. But it seems to me that if that was happening on the status quo's leadership, we could do better than that. And this is our party, ultimately. I don't like, I don't believe in third parties. Uh, if you put all those libertarian, that libertarian Joe Jorgensen's votes into some of these swing states, many of them would have gone in Trump's direction. We only dilute and empowered you know, Democratic Party with the third party solutions. The Republican Party is whatever we make it to be. Uh, and if you don't like the direction of the Republican Party on a local basis, on a state basis or a national basis, the solution is we all get involved. And you, and taking over a local Republican Party and writing and straightening and, and getting it going in the right direction is usually pretty much as easy as getting more people in, in the room than the other side. You know, it's not a terribly complicated undertaking, not nearly as complicated as starting and and prevailing through a third party. So let's focus on, like, retaking this party and making it a party of unrelenting commitment to our founding principles who are prepared to fight. We aren't going to shrink from the battle as they appear to be doing now. I mean, I don't know where I I don't know where these guys are. I mean, standing up as they should be at this moment of crisis and they're clearly terrified of the moment. And maybe they're terrified because they, too, know that we don't have the cohesive unity to come to their defense when they take these hits and these attacks. These hits and attacks come because they know, I think, these weaknesses of our side. And if they knew they were going to face a more cohesive pushback against them individually when they launched them, um, we would prevail. But just take these these two Michigan um, individuals who were who literally voted to certify voted not to certify the Michigan results were threatened with you know various personal threats and literally go oh, okay well we'll vote to certify them all right let me just give you my view on that i am sympathetic with anyone who undergoes that level of threats but if that's all it takes to shift 
your position on these matters, if you're going to cave over something of that nature, you're in the wrong profession, doing the wrong thing. We need people that are going to just let that stuff fly off their shoulder and are going to take confidence in a broader collective movement that will, you know, surround us and defend us. And we have to offer those people that level of support and protection so that they never feel inclined to cave on matters of enduring uh, consequence and principle to this country. Yeah, no, absolutely. I'm, to- I'm totally with you on that one. I want to throw this over to Shu and then, and then we'll jump over to Ken. But, but Shu, from your perspective, you know, because we're talking a lot about like how, how, do we, how do we move forward, even just as a conservative movement? How do we even create this conservative movement? Because like Michael was saying, there's not really that kind of like leadership that's in place. But what do you think, because I think the biggest thing we got we have to figure out is how, how do we be a big tent without being too broad? But then, but then how do we, how do we not be too divisive at the same time? What do you think should be the main unifying principles from your perspective on, on the conservative movement? Uh, it's so funny you bring that up because that is exactly what I covered. Um, it's really what my, the new show, the Federalist Faction has to deal with. It has to deal with um, bringing these people together. And I'm not even just talking just people in the Republican Party, but all people together as Americans. We all live together within this country. We're, I like to view it, and I, I'm sure many people have heard me say it before, it's like a marriage. You don't have these arguments so that you win because then the other person loses. And anybody knows in a marriage, if I win that conversation and my wife loses, now I'm sleeping with a loser, and I don't want to do that. We don't want to be living in a country with a bunch of losers either. We want to be able to educate people, to be able to have these conversations. And the conversations are tough. They really are. They're, they're extremely complicated when you get down to the crux of what's going on within our cultural society. It's not meant to be easy, but it's meant to be challenging. And I think that many conservatives, have, you know, whether you're pro-Trump or anti-Trump within that conservative party, you put yourself into a collective bubble. Where you only want to be heard by yes men and you're afraid to have conversations with other people. Well, when you fail to do that, your foundations of your belief system become fragile and they end up falling apart. But if you're able to take what you believe in as absolute truth, so you see it, and you're able to combat that with other people of opposing views, you can either steel man your argument or you can come to the conclusion that you were wrong in the first place. And to come to the conclusion that you may be wrong isn't necessarily a bad thing. It's not a bad thing at all. Because if you base your whole life and your whole outlook on life and how you want this party ran on a false premise, it's better to be wrong and build it back from the ground up on truth and what is actually bound by reality. And I think that's how we get the parties to come together. We have the conversations. We challenge each other in our ideologies. We poke holes in each other's theories. We try to find what is wrong with what it is that we are standing for so we can steel man our arguments and build up our party on a foundation of solidity, something that's not wavering or easily to fall apart on. We want to build our conservative party on something that is absolute and true. Yeah, no, that's a a very good point. And and then I think for Ken, I want to talk to you and I want to have you talk about, about this. So, and you kind of wrote about this in your chapter in the book, Church and State, you know, where we're talking about like single issue voters. But I, but I think really a major problem that we're having within the evangelical movement it, are some of these pastors like Mark Dever and David Platt and Tim Keller and even John Piper's now coming out with some crazy, crazy teachings and, and things like that. 
But specifically, it seems like they're intentionally leading people into this kind of woke, leftist, even even justifying voting Democrat um, kind of ideology. How, how, how do we combat that? And how do we do, do we need to be completely separating from them? Can we reform the evangelical movement? And like, how, how, do, how, do, how do we deal with this in your perspective when we're dealing with some of these very influential pastors, but that are enabling and in fact, encouraging people to even go uh, anti-Trump and actually to the Democrat Party? That's a great question. I these these pastors, as well meaning as they might be, are literally helping the enemy. And when I say the enemy, I mean Satan himself. These pastors are literally helping the enemy take over our nation, and they're losing sight of abortion. They're losing sight of the fact that these. Unborn children, our Bible says, are actually human beings, the equivalent of a five-year-old, and they are being slaughtered every day by a corporation that makes money per human death. They're losing sight of that, and they're getting caught up in in worldly mindsets, the, the, the talking points of the left. I think, Jeff, that we're going to need to create such momentum that, that we... We uh, don't need these guys. I I know we're talking about a a big tent, but I think we can create a big tent with sheer passion and enthusiasm. Rhinos in in politics is not going to cut it anymore. And you got the rhinos. You just mentioned a bunch of them. You got the rhinos in the church. Those guys, the rhino Republicans and the rhino preachers, we're going to have to leave them behind. We got. We're going to have to find those that are true Jesus-loving, gospel-loving, clear-thinking, Bible-believing uh, Christians and preachers, and then the the uh, the patriots. I listen. I was in D.C. two weeks ago, and I saw 1.3 million Trump-supporting patriots that were there with about five days' notice. And I'm going to be out there in D.C. again on the, I believe it's the 12th. I'm going to go, and I think there's going to be a million more people out there. So we have a lot of people on our side. Rhinos aren't going to cut it. I think we leave them behind. And I'm sorry, it's not really a big tent mentality, but I don't think people are in the mood for this kind of big tent where we try to include all these these pathetic Republicans and preachers in the mix. So I don't know. What say you guys? That's my feelings. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, and, and I think, I think for me too, like I'm, I'm looking at this and I'm like, I, I feel like there, there's, there's, there's room for disagreement obviously within the Republican party, but at a certain point we've got, we've got to figure out how do we get back to the constitution? How do we get back to what makes America great, which is freedom and liberty and opportunity for everybody, no matter what your background is or gender or race or whatever it is. And to me, that's what the Republican party is truly offering. We can debate and fight over the things that we disagree on later, but first we got to save our country from going complete socialist socialism marxism progressive ideology all that kind of stuff and that's really where i think that for me i kind of have a foot in the political world and in the christian world because i've got the gatekeepers which is geared towards christians they've got freedom first it's geared towards the secular audience and that sort of thing and i think we can kind of work in parallel going along with each other and kind of tackle both sides uh, of this issue i think that that's really what we can um that's really what i think we can do to save our country in, in my opinion um, okay, so any final thoughts from any of you guys uh, b- before we t- tune out of this uh, 100th episode of Conversations? 
cohesive leadership, you know, and uh, strategic, realistic goals. Um, don't abandon anyone before we give them at least one final conversation uh, to try to be persuasive. I mean, I think a lot of these institutions have been lost because we've surrendered. It's not like we even put a fight up. Uh, yeah. you know, so it's worth, I, I agree that, you know, at some point it's hopeless, but, uh, you know, it's worth final conversations and um, realize this is a collective undertaking. Like if we don't operate in those sort of ways, over communicating, bringing people together around these themes, then we're just a bunch of individuals duplicating efforts, not operating in any cohesive way, uh, fragmented messaging, way too much of that stuff. I think we're starting to identify major leadership crisis among institutions that I always thought when the rubber hit the road would be there to defend these issues. And, you know, partly I don't think they have enough stake in it. I just don't think that our defeats troubled them as much as they may trouble many other, many millions of Americans. And I am also inspired with the fact that the American people are rising at this moment on a grassroots basis. And these rallies are important, uh, whatever the outcome, because that's the foundation of, you know, propelling a second term and, and making it even better than the first or worst case, the, the basis of our cohesive opposition to a direction that's counterproductive. So Amen. participate and support in those. And don't, like, we got to stop all the subdivisions within them. You know, I mean, there's just way too much of that stuff. It's, you know, it doesn't matter. Really get engaged and support that process. Uh, show the world that we are not going to watch um, election crimes occur without resistance. And um, we go from there after we see the outcome of, of all those issues and unite around the common themes. I mean, I agree so strongly about the defense of life. I would hope that um, in churches, especially, you know, I knew you when you were in the womb, before you were in the womb, such an inspiring uh, component of, of our Bible and, and should be so directive to those who are looking for pastoral and, and other leadership on these issues. Um, you don't abandon something like that, uh, called upon to push back and challenge and, and to see what we can do. And, and there's a lot of the pro-life movement's always been pretty politically effective and, you know, it too has to unify, not subdivide and, and be strategic. And um, I think President Trump ultimately is someone we're going to look back on as, as having really presented some of the better ideas as far as where we need to be right now. This issue of the China threat, this issue of, of, a secure bo- of securing our borders, this issue of resolving our trade issues, this issue of, of moving us into a 21st century conservatism that's rooted in the current present tense issues that we confront, lower taxes. Um, I mean, I just I see in Biden, you know, firstly, corruption, um, like almost certainly. And second, a vision that is totally antithetical to this, which is one of the reasons I think a lot of Americans are astonished saying this guy won 80 million votes. I mean, they, they just find it disbelieving almost on the just general sense that that their fellow 80 million of their fellow Americans would go out and say, yeah, this guy's best. For I want higher, not lower taxes, more regulation, not less uh, surrender to China on the global front. 
back into this, this Paris agreement. Let's just send money recklessly to the rest of the world in the name of some ill-defined uh, environmental objectives. Let's go back into the Iran agreement so we can, you know, trade with them, give them more resources to conduct terrorism in the region and throughout the world. Just every component of this is illogical. It doesn't even, I just can't believe American people buy it. And we've got to push back on it. Bank of Clark County is making it easy to give to local charities. We're featuring a different one at each of our Bank of Clark County locations. To find out how you can support their good work, visit our website at www.bankofclark.bank or follow us on our social media channels and the hashtag GiveWithBOCC. Happy Holidays from all of us at Bank of Clark County. Member FDIC. Yeah, definitely. Uh, Shu, were you were you wanting to say something? Because I, I saw you raising your hand there. Yeah. Um, I I just uh, wanted to kind of spin off of a little bit of something like that. And it's I get so sick of hearing the right and the people, you know, in churches and stuff saying that the culture war is dead. And I think it's that's where the battle is right now. We politics runs downstream of culture. We change the way that we live. We make that contagious. And people look to us and they're like, oh, there's something different about this guy. There's something different right. about the way he lives his life. Yeah. I think that catches fire. People will see that. We are a testimony every day that we live. And if you think that your life as an individual is ruled by the person in the White House or by a person in your state house, then you've already lost the thought of what it is to be an American. You own them. You rule them. You put them in power. It's your responsibility. Take charge of your life and be the cultural change. Yeah, de- definitely, definitely. And, and I think that, that that's it's so important that, that we understand all of this too. We understand the spiritual aspect, the political aspect, the cultural aspect. There's a lot that goes to play in what we're seeing playing out uh, on the broader scale here in America. And I think we've, we've got to fix kind of all of them if we're actually going to fix this country as well. It can't just be political. It can't ju- just be the church. It can't just be cultural. It's kind of got to be a little bit of everything. So. Um, you know, I, th- I think that was a really good point, but, but guys, thank you guys so much for joining me on, on this, had a blast. I, it, you know, it's been fun doing the show, but it's been fun also getting to know each of you guys as, as well. Cause again, without the show, I wouldn't have met any of you guys. Congratulations, <laughs> Jeff on a hundred uh, shows and I'm honored to be on the, on the 100, man. Thank you so much. Dude, th- thank you. Th- thanks to each of you guys. And then and then everybody else as well. Thank you guys so much for tuning in and supporting what we're doing. Uh, if you guys are interested in in supporting what we're doing with the gatekeepers in general, uh, one way you guys can do that is by becoming a plugged-in member. Definitely check that out. You get a bunch of awesome perks, extra benefits, discounts in the store. But then also on top of that, I'm doing an exclusive podcast every Friday for members of Plugged In uh, where you guys can participate in the conversation, ask questions, things like that. And then only the audio will go out to the general public. So Check that out at gatekeepersonline.com slash plugged in. Uh, but again, guys, thanks so much for tuning in. Thanks for each of the guests coming on here today as well. I'll be putting links for their social medias and how and how to follow them and get more information on each of these guys as well in the show notes. Um, but thanks so much for tuning in. We shall catch you guys next time.
Bank of Clark County is making it easy to give to local charities. We're featuring a different one at each of our Bank of Clark County locations. To find out how you can support their good work, visit our website at www.bankofclark.bank or follow us on our social media channels and the hashtag GiveWithBOCC. Happy Holidays from all of us at Bank of Clark County. Member FDIC. This holiday season, pay tribute to the people who fought for our freedom to celebrate. Featuring the largest American flag in the region, Spirit Park is now open at National Harbor, honoring active duty military and veterans. Take some time this holiday to remember, offer gratitude, and be inspired by the sacrifices of our service men and women who make our way of life possible. Plan your visit at nationalharbor.com slash spiritpark. That's nationalharbor.com slash spiritpark. <laughs> 